Hello, and welcome to another episode of Terminals Talk, the podcast from the Tank Storage Association. I am Nuncia Florio. The UK's terminal sector has a key role to play in the energy transition, in creating the necessary flexibility to support change in the UK's net zero goals, as well as in providing the resilience and security of supply required for existing and future energy carriers. In this episode, we will explore CAP25, a project to expand capacity and enhance infrastructure at one of the UK's leading importation terminals, Grain LNG. Joining me today are TSA's Executive Director, Peter Davidson, Simon Culkin, Managing Director, Grain LNG, and Goke Phillips, Terminal Construction Director. Hi, Peter. Hi, Simon. And hi, Goke. Hi, Nancy. Hi. So today we are going to touch on the role of the terminals sector in the energy transition more widely and more specifically at the CAP25 project, which is a new strategic project aimed at uh, enhancing and expanding capacity at Grain LNG, which is one of the UK's leading import terminals. Grain LNG is also a member of the Tank Storage Association. But but before we start, it might be worth giving a brief introduction of Grain and LNG. So, Simon, would you like to tell us a little bit more about Grain, which is a national grid business? Thanks, Nunzia. Um, absolutely. Uh, Grain LNG is part of National Grid. And as you mentioned, it's um, Europe's largest LNG import terminal. And um, we're very proud it's the eighth largest in the world. Uh, maybe uh, before we get going, it's uh, good to cover off some of the fundamentals here, as in, you know, what is LNG in the first place? Yes. And the answer is, you know, it's liquefied natural gas, same as the gas you have at home, except it's cooled down to minus 160 degrees C. So it's um, it's a liquid when it gets down to that temperature. Right. We're a 600-acre site on the Isle of Grain down in the southeast in Kent, and we are uh, genuinely recognised as being strategically important to uh, to the UK international infrastructure. Um. We've got uh, a million cubic metres of tank space with a capacity that equates to, in, in LNG terms, you do millions of tonnes per annum. So we're a 15 million tonnes per annum site, roughly at the moment equivalent to 25% of UK's gas demand. Another really crucial point to our business at Grain is, is we don't own the gas. We don't own the LNG, but we import, we store, and we process that gas on behalf of our customers. We regasify the LNG, that liquid gas, and send it out to the national transmission system that runs all around the UK, um, making sure that the quality of gas is correct. Importantly, we can ramp up really, really quickly, uh, matching our customers' needs and matching the price, really, so we can turn on and off within a very short period of time. So get to our maximum send out in nearly two hours, and it's pretty efficient, really. Um, we have enough kit to deliver nearly a 1,000 gigs a day, um, commercially, we've got something small, so we have some spare capacity, but that's very, very much able to supply the whole of London if it needs to. Right. We import gas from around the world um, as a business. Um, can come all the way from Norway, Nigeria, uh, you know, uh, Australia, um, uh, all, all over the world. Anyone has gas, we can, uh, we can take. We've got two cryogenic lines, two jetties, and we can take the very largest ships in the world, these QMAX ships, which are the size of three football pitches. We import, but we can also export. 
And we also offer uh, something be familiar to your your other members, uh, road tanker refueling, so we can send LNG out in small trucks as well. Absolutely. That is impressive. And as I understand it, green LNG is uh, also growing and evolving. Yes, that's totally right, Lindsay. Um There's a history here with grain developing from a small um, peak shave site. Back in the 1980s, we used to make LNG on the site and store it like a big battery on the side of the gas system. But we've grown through several phases. We turned ourselves from being a peak shaver to an import terminal through 2006, 2007, and again, 2008 and 2010. And now we've got some growth ahead of us, CAP25, which is essentially our fourth big phase of growth. Right. We're spending nearly half a billion for the CAP25 project. Um, that's our project ahead of us, uh, which uh, we'll discuss more, I'm sure, uh, shortly. And, and who knows what may follow? Yeah, we could be looking at more growth of grain. We think there's some really interesting potential about building more tanks of grain and trying to help the UK through its transition to be a low-carbon economy. Um, we think we can construct something that's more like green tanks, something that's not necessarily just LNG. But let's see, we'll talk about that later. Ultimately, there's a really wide recognition, I think, in the industry and um, in government that there's a need for more energy storage. And grain, and actually the whole of the LNG industry, has a really terrific record of delivering for our customers and our stakeholders, not least through really efficient and safe capital delivery, which I'm really pleased I've got Goko here with me today that will cover off some of that stuff later. I also know um, Peter's visited our site on a number of occasions. I don't know whether you want to say a few bits, Peter. Yeah, that's right, Simon. In, in fact, I was only there at the beginning of, of August, and it, it really is a, a fantastic site and incredibly impressive. Um, I've not been convinced yet to take a walk up to the top of one of the tanks. I don't think my vertigo will have allowed me to do that yet, but maybe that opportunity will come in the future. It's probably worthwhile just mentioning for our listeners, um, just to give some background on LNG in the UK, which has become an increasingly important method of moving natural gas to the UK market. I think just last year, from memory, based on government statistics, um, LNG imports to the UK hit another record high, uh, 25.6 billion cubic metres in 2022. And that was up some 74% on the previous year, uh, with market growth boosted, obviously, by record European demand. For example, Russia's invasion of the Ukraine, which is a conflict which is still going on now and still affecting energy markets. Um, it really led to Europe trying to reduce their pipeline imports of Russian natural gas. And that inevitably increased demand for alternative sources of gas supply to meet domestic needs and fill historically low storage inventories. And the UK holds significant regasification infrastructure such as grain LNG. And that meant that the UK was used as a land bridge for increased natural gas exports to Europe, while also supporting our own domestic gas demand. So once LNG has been regasified, it can enter the traditional pipeline network connecting to Europe or domestically, which Simon, you've already covered. And I know that grain LNG has been very busy in that respect. Yes. In fact, we're celebrating our busiest ever year. Um, we've got a party later this month uh, just to mark that moment. Um, our team have um, delivered 102 ships through the terminal, smashing our previous record of 71. Um, we've also recently hit a new site utilisation record by exporting 102,000 gigawatt hours in a single year. Um, just to put grain's capacity in context, um, the electricity system in the UK delivers 1,000 gigs a day, and grain, with its um, CAP25 capacity that we're going to bring online, can deliver probably up to 800 gigs a day commercially. 
So, you know, we can do nearly all of the electricity system with a single site. So we're hugely important and we're always ready uh, for our customers to meet demand. Absolutely. Thank you, Simon. And thank you, Peter. It certainly puts into context the importance of terminals as a vital component of the UK's and I would say increasingly Europe's supply chains for liquid products that are critical to our daily lives. Peter, was there anything you wanted to add in this context? Yeah, thanks, Nancy. I, I guess I should have my soapbox moment. You know I like talking about terminals. I, I think it's very important to understand that the the UK is an island nation. We all know that. And that means that any products that are moving in bulk into the UK is coming through a terminal, is coming from a UK TSA member terminal. And those products, as well as LNG, which we're talking about today, are going to include bulk liquids such as chemicals, petroleum products, renewable fuels, fertilizers, foodstuffs, and many, many more substances. And I think, as you've already mentioned, they're a vital component in our nation's supply chain. Terminals are critical infrastructure. And they're very, very important at effectively connecting the UK's economy to those overseas markets. And for that reason, investment in this critical infrastructure is so important, not only so that we can contribute to provide the products that are needed today, but also in terms of managing demand for the products during the energy transition. And we're starting to see a, 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 an emergence of some of those markets, for example, in green biofuels, in hydrogen, and in also in uh, carbon capture, utilisation and storage. Simon, would you agree? Yes, totally, Peter. Timely investment and taking the long-term view to deliver strategically are really essential to manage this orderly transition that we're all after. At Grain, we're doing everything we can do to support broader net zero goals. And discussion around LNG storage has also focused on its pivotal role to UK energy supply, something I talked about a bit earlier, which, as you mentioned, has been thrown into stark relief by the recent Ukraine situation. But storage also allows us to take advantage of really flexible sources of energy with real worldwide diversity sources of supply. As I said, we've just had our busiest year and at the moment I only see it getting busier. What's also becoming clearer, Peter, is the UK's energy storage capacity has been underinvested uh, for quite some time now, um, certainly in the gas world. And I believe we're strategically exposed compared to some of um, other countries that you would consider. Europe has 80 to 100 days worth of gas storage available to it. Storage in Japan is 40 to 60 days. And UK, well, it's currently really 14 to 18 days. So, so nothing like um, some of these other geographic areas. I think people are really are starting to wake up to the scale of the challenge here. And sometimes it does take a, a big crisis like what's happening in Ukraine to really bring that into, um, into light. And this is something that the Tank Storage Association has also been very clear about, Peter. Yeah, that's right, Nuncio. We've been talking to lots of stakeholders about this, and we always stress the importance of the terminal sector as an essential part of supply chains for different products, those products that I mentioned earlier, and an essential part of the UK's energy infrastructure. Absolutely. Without those terminals that are located at strategic positions throughout the UK, we do not have a reliable energy infrastructure in the UK. Um, and our, our member companies, including Grain LNG, provide that resilience and provide innovative and flexible solutions to the energy, industrial, transport and defence sectors. Getting that energy, getting those energy carriers where they need to be at the time that they need to be there. 
And it also provides the infrastructure necessary to ensure security of supply to meet the UK's energy needs in case of disruption, disruption such as the Ukraine conflict that we've spoken about earlier. Right. And we do have a key role to play in the energy transition by working in partnership to create that flexibility that is needed to manage change and by providing the resilience and security of supply required for existing and future energy carriers. Absolutely. I mentioned some of those future energy carriers earlier, things like hydrogen, green biofuels, hydrogen carriers, for example. And that's why we're really excited about all of the forward-looking projects and innovations that our sector is working on in the UK, such as the CAP25 project, which we're talking about today. Good to hear. Thanks, Peter. Um, I think it's important really to mention, you know, grain is uh, part of a national grid uh, and we need to really mention national grid's strategic vision um, to be at the heart of a clean, fair and affordable energy future. And that's exactly what we're about at Grain. Out of that clean, fair and affordable, the clean bit is the most challenging. I can't pretend. We can't hide the fact that LNG is a fossil fuel. But in this context, though, aside from the fact that one of the least carbon emitting fuels is gas, we're also putting in place a strategic programme at Grain to become greener and better at what we do with our own net zero roadmap. We've touched on LNG and the part it has to play in that critical role in the energy transition balancing the intermittency of renewables, you know, when the wind doesn't blow to keep the lights on and homes warm, and giving us the flexibility to manage the change to net zero by being able to supply critical energy when and where it's really needed. Right. The fair bit, I think, is best understood in terms of providing security supply to energy so that people and businesses know that they have the energy they need when they need it. But affordability is also really key here through this energy transition. A grain we can, uniquely I believe, process the widest range of LNG from across the globe. Access to this widest possible diversity supply, having the access to gas from anywhere in a really competitive marketplace just helps, um, helps keep cost competition there and helps control those costs in relation to demand. So, so we're really important for keeping the price right for the UK as well. An extra element here I'd like to quickly cover if I can is a point that I guess goes back to the clean part of the vision. And that's something that maybe the environmental cost of moving from renewables is not always fully factored in. For example, replacing grain, that sort of 800 gigawatts of energy per day, um, would, if you wanted to do that equivalent in renewables, you'd have to cover the entire inside of the M25 with solar panels or build a... a a wind turbine farm with 35,000 wind turbines. So lots of things to be considered when we move through uh, the energy transition. Absolutely. One thing's for certain, um, there's uh, a lot of work, big picture and a lot of collaborative, non-partisan thinking. Um, We're going to need to establish new partnerships as we transition to this carbon neutrality. Indeed, absolutely, Simon. And speaking of CAP25, I'd like to ask you to tell us a little bit more about the project. Um, So CAP25, which stands for Capacity25, um, is our um, ambitious project to enhance and expand the terminal grain. Um, It's already two years in and um, is running on time and to budget. And uh, it's been no mean feat through the sort of post-COVID and uh, Ukraine supply and cost constraints, inflation as well, has been a real challenge. But as I mentioned earlier, we're already the largest LNG terminal in Europe, 
and this project with its upgraded and new infrastructure will enable us to supply up to 33% of UK gas. Not bad for this little site in the uh, southeast of England. Absolutely. And as I understand it, the CAP25 project comprises three key projects? Yeah, we, we split it into three parts, so absolutely right. We have um, the most storagey bit of it, uh, a storage tank, uh, a, a new project adding another 190,000 metre cubed LNG storage tank, uh, the fifth uh, of uh, this size of tank to be on site. We've also got a project called Main Site Works, uh, which, is, uh, which involves a range of specialist engineering projects to, to add more to the existing infrastructure. Um, the terminal needs to be expanded and upgraded to accommodate the new tank, but these works require uh, new assets like vaporizers, pumps, compressors. These are bits that will be important to the resilience of the terminal. Right. And the third part of the project is really looking at the very oldest bits of the terminal and doing a thing we're calling Phase 1 Relife, which involves some specialist upgrading of parts of the site to extend the Phase 1 asset's life, improve efficiency, safety, reliability. But importantly, Goki's with us today. Uh, I'd love to hand over to him, our construction director, um, and he'll be able to tell you a bit more about um, exactly what's involved. Thanks, Simon. As mentioned, um, CAP25 combines three distinct but fully integrated work streams due for completion in 2025. The first work stream involves the construction of the new cryogenic storage tank. It's the fifth of a size on site and built to the latest engineering standards. We've made huge headway on this, and to paint a picture for your listeners, the tank is a vast structure, 50 meters tall, 90 meters in diameter, with a wall thickness of about 70 centimeters. Wow. The Albert Hall in London can fit inside it. It's that big. Wow. <laughs> to construct a tank like this, we need to start with installing over 1,300 piles, then pour about 6,000 meters cubed of concrete to make up the foundation before erecting a 40-meter concrete wall, which was done by slip foam, taking over 21 days. Then we start looking at building the roof on the ground within the walls and then raising up the roof using millibar air pressure before we then um, fix the roof to the wall. This then allows us to build the inner tank, which is made up of several layers of carbon steel, insulation, and nickel steel. So as you can sense, some quite complex construction here. Absolutely, and that sounds uh, amazing. And could you elaborate for us, Goke, on the other work streams as well? Um, the second work stream involves installing two new high-pressure pumps and two new submerged combustion vaporizers. This is all about improving the operational integrity and resilience and the send-out of gas into the national transmission system. We're also looking to build new high-pressure compressors to move gas into the transmission system as well. Another key part of this work stream is to improve our operational flexibility to be able to unload two ships at the same time, meaning we can replenish stocks quickly during times of high gas demand. But CAP25 isn't just about the new build. A key part is also ensuring existing terminal offers the optimal reliability needed to move gas into the transmission system, providing the energy needed to heat homes on a 24-7 basis. So what does this mean? Well, it means making sure our processing assets are fit for purpose. It also means revalidating existing jetties and cryogenic tanks, all to ensure the long-term useful life of the terminal. Also, we're looking at what I call the backbone of the site, the right. utility systems, making sure they're upgraded to meet current standards. So that's what we're doing. 
But what I'm also proud of is how we're doing things. And one key area is around sustainability and the way it's hardwired into how we do things. And then you can look at extensive program of material reuse with us diverting nearly 45,000 meters cubed of materials from landfill, allowing it to be reused as ecological mitigation. Right. Greener and better, that's what we are about. And I think many infrastructure projects of this scale and nature are increasingly expected to be. What I also want to stress about the how is the importance of our people, from the EPC contractors to the team across National Grid, offering a wide range of skills. And of course, we must not forget our specialist global supply chain partners, manufacturing key equipment offsite. I believe projects of this scale increasingly require a global mindset to bring together all the specialist skills and resources needed to deliver effectively. Absolutely, Goke. And um, it is so important, I believe, to mention how a project such as this brings together people with such a vast array of skills and expertise. And skills is certainly an area that as an association we have been focusing on. Uh, Peter, would you like to tell us a little bit more about this particular focus, which I think is uh, quite important? Yeah, that's right, Nuncio. In fact, skills and workforce are at the heart of our agenda of the at the Tank Storage Association. Um, and this project for me really just highlights how critical the expertise, knowledge and skills of our industry's workforce are in meeting not only the challenges of today on essential projects like the one that we're talking about, but it's also critical for the inputs to change in the future. And it's probably worth mentioning with that in mind that um, within the TSA, we've recently established a skills committee. Um, and that committee is tasked to explore best ways to ensure that our sector's workforce is fully equipped with the skills, toolkits and knowledge necessary to take part uh, in the pool of opportunities that our sector looks towards. And I think it's really important that we need to recognise that our sector, the terminal sector, is an incredibly exciting business to work in, particularly now, particularly looking at the criticality of our infrastructure, but also looking into the future and the role that our sector is going to play in net zero. Absolutely. So in this context, I was wondering if I may ask Simon to discuss perhaps a little bit the safety aspect as well. How does Grain LNG manage its inventories safely? Well, we're a top-tier coma site with a, um, a huge range of really complex and, and potentially hazardous tasks that we, we carry out. And we carry them out 24-7, 365 days a year, um, and we take um, our safety record extremely seriously. I know all your members will, but we really do uh, uh, take this incredibly seriously. And, and we don't stand still. We're always looking to improve with all our staff and our contractors engaged in our drive for, for being truly uh, excellent at safety. Whether it's for our leading behavioural safety programme, which we're really proud of, we call it a KIST, Keeping It Safe Today and Tomorrow, a real bottom-up bottom behavioural safety programme, or our comprehensive training that we do right across the team at Grain. It's, it's great that... Um, how we do things, the way in which we approach safety um, is also recognised externally. Um, we do a lot of stuff on accreditation, but but one example is we're the UK's only 
International Safety and Sustainability Rating System, um, uh, DMV's ISRS system. We, we've been accredited to level eight for our safety management system. Really proud of that. No one else has got that in the UK. Oh, wow. As well as we uh, recently won IGEM's you know, prestigious uh, safety award, the Institute of Gas Engineers and Managers. So we, 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 we're really proud of our safety record and always, always want to get better. Yeah, thanks, Simon. And I think it's probably also important to mention process safety leadership. Um, and clearly, all businesses need to be able to demonstrate strong process safety leadership within their organisations, with senior management teams understanding the risks and the measures taken to control those risks. And I know that the two of you have engineering backgrounds and you fully understand that the risks that can be introduced and the importance of process safety leadership within your organisations. And it, that's why it's fantastic that Great LNG are also a member of the Coma Strategic Forum Leadership Working Group, which I chair, and we really do value your input into that important work. And Goke, I know that um, you share some of Simon's passion for safety. Yes, I do. And it's the single most important thing for me, full stop. I want everyone who works on the project to return home safely each day. We take a comprehensive and holistic approach to safety, one I truly believe makes us safe and ensures people aren't hurt. It's simple. We just don't want to compromise on safety. And I'm very clear with our team that if we see anything we're not happy with in terms of unsafe practices, we stop the job. Of course, when you're up against stringent time and money constraints, like any capital infrastructure project of this scale, that attitude will invariably create challenges. For me, it's personal. No one should be hurt at work. With so many contractors and individuals on site, walking across a vast array of complex interdisciplinary tasks, it's a mammoth job to keep safety front of mind and to maintain the highest standards. Our approach is a multi-layered, holistic approach. For example, we have robust induction and safety systems. We have a strong focus on previous safety, like Simon mentioned, the KISS program, where we empower our frontline supervisors on site to coach the teams. We have rigorous risk assessment processes and we share best practice across all contractors to ensure complacency never creeps in. And there's a wider point here. I think of Grain as an ambassador for best practice and safety across the industry and beyond. And we do this by investing in training to bring everyone up to the best standards. And that includes on contractors and supply chain partners. As a top tier commerce site, there's something else that's high on my list. And that's process safety, as you mentioned. Ensuring we have the right processes and teams driving the right designs to meet regulatory requirements, which ranges from human factors assessments to ensuring the right level of documentation is available for operating and maintaining the terminal. And this belief in safety is partly why we're so proud to represent our industry on Yokoma Strategic Forum Leadership Working Group. Process safety leadership is vital and board level commitment is imperative. Thanks, Goke. Absolutely. And I think your passion for safety is absolutely clear. As you have inferred, though, it's only one in a range of considerations in managing a project of this size. What else would you highlight? Yes, you're totally right, of course. Well, firstly, I think delivering the project on time and on budget is vital. We've got a reputation for this and I want to keep it. I'm clear with the team that we need to deliver efficiently and innovate our approach where we can. 
We've got some of the best in our industry working with us here and the level of original thinking, energy and commitment shown day in, day out never fails to impress me. A key element of success is collaboration. With our contractors, I take the if they fail, we fail approach and believe in working in a constructive and supportive way to bring out the best in everyone. But I also believe in fair but firm. Essentially, I think all the best projects are built on mutual trust. This collaboration also extends to our internal national grid functions working closely together to support the delivery of the project. A key challenge for Capture 5 is completing this huge range of works whilst also doing what we can to keep the gas flowing. Much careful planning goes into ensuring our busy terminal operations can carry on while the project delivers this extensive expansion program. And finally, I care about creating a legacy we can all be proud of one where I can truly say we've done everything we can to deliver safely, while minimizing our environmental impact by acting as sustainably as we can. I see the project as a way of building and nurturing talent here at Grain. I am also a passionate advocate of building a fully diverse and inclusive team. I believe this clearly delivers layers of strength for the project. Thanks, Goke. That's a lot to consider. And thank you for your fantastic explanation of the project and what goes into it in terms of uh, skills, uh, safety and so on. And uh, turning to Simon, there are many important projects in a sector such as CAP25. In closing, though, um, what would you say the future holds? Well, we, we said a lot, haven't we? But, but, but as we mentioned, I think um, LNG will be here for a while to come. But, but further ahead of that, it's a really interesting one. I think gas, or at least energy held as a molecule, is um, really important and, and a really vital part of the energy mix. So, so who knows whether that molecule is a blue, green, hydrogen or something else one day. Uh, we will see. Carbon capture, I think, is a key possibility with the terminal um, probably able to position itself to reform methane uh, for blue hydrogen. We have the space uh, to do that. We could then use our shipping capabilities to transport captured carbon to underground storage where we're also looking at the possibilities actually of just importing um, blue or green ammonia. And, uh, and having that stored because it's a storage medium for hydrogen. So, so lots of opportunities ahead of us. But grain, well, look, you know, um, could it be a, a green refinery? We were, you know, a refinery before the 80s at the Isle of Grain. Um, wouldn't it be wonderful to go back to being a green refinery again? But um, one thing is certain, we really do need to you know, retain and invest in um, our industry's talent, as Peter said, and its expertise with um, with forward-looking investments. We can't just react. We've got to think ahead uh, and build this sort of versatile infrastructure that, um, that gives, you know, the UK and our industry a real full range of options for the future. So today our sector is continuing to invest innovate and evolve to enable success as it looks to the future. 
Thank you, Peter, Simon, and Goke for your contribution today. And thank you for listening. Remember that you can find Terminal Stock on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all major platforms. As always, check out our website, tankstorage.org.uk, for all latest news and insights on the terminals industry in the UK. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please spread the word. Have a great day.